0: Let me ask you to do something for me, too, before I get into my service. I I really believe with all my heart that one of the most special times in church is when we're given an invitation. Um, And I have found through the years of pastoring three churches and 30-something years that the slightest thing can cause people to... Maybe the Holy Spirit is working with somebody asking them to come or whatever to give their heart to the Lord. And the slightest thing, that they look off and they see whatever is a, is a, uh, uh, will cause them maybe not to come. I've seen it happen in churches. In I, one time I know for sure that the Holy Spirit was really moving. And we had some people there that I knew that were ready to give, give their heart to the Lord. And somebody spoke up real loud. And, and you could just fill the drain. So I'm asking you that when we get ready to give the invitation, don't get up and walk out, please. I'm telling you, that can be a disturbance or whatever else. Whatever it is at that time, just sit still. You can wait a few more minutes before you, you know, If it's, it's absolutely, totally emergency, okay. But other than that. All right, turn with me, if you will, over to John chapter, uh, John chapter 20. And I, I want to read a few verses here. And then we'll get into this. Uh, and starting with verse, I, I actually want to start with verse 19. And I want to read all the way through um, uh, to uh, verse 23, 19 through 23. I'm sorry that I didn't really uh, give, it, I just put it 2020 up there. So anyway, so then the Bible says in verse 19. It says, Then uh, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you, and the Father has sent me, and I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, and if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them, and if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, what a weighty thing this is this morning, uh, to have the responsibility to bring something uh, in front of these people. Your children, Lord. And as you work with them and, and, and as you work in their life because they're your workmanship created unto good works and it is God who works in them both to will and to do his good pleasure. And I also know that you, you also tell us that, 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 uh, that he who hath begun a good work in them will, not continue, will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. And then, Lord, for somebody to stand in front of them and try to break the bread of life, Lord... They need to hear what you want them to hear. So Lord, I simply pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in thy face. For you're our strength, you're our redemption, you're everything. We just can't do this without you. Oh Lord, how we need you. There are people out here hurting. There are people that have got things going on in their life and they don't know where to turn. Lord, we need you this morning. Please be with us, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. I, I want to mention one verse, and it's verse 20, and I want to mention that last part of verse 20, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. They had gathered in that upper room, and, and they were there just because they were scared to death. They They had come to the place that they thought the very same thing that happened to Jesus was going to happen to them. They were looking at being crucified. They thought this was going to happen, and years later, this actually happened. There was not a single one of them that was not martyred for the cause of Jesus Christ, except John. John was exiled in the Isle of Patmos, but history also teaches us that John was boiled in hot oil at one time. And they, you know, it it was John that Jesus said that the one disciple would not die until the Lord came. And so they were trying to kill him because the unction of the Lord was on him. They couldn't kill him. And finally, the emperor of Rome found out when they couldn't kill him. When they tried to bully him in oil and they couldn't kill him. They said, well, we'll just do this. We'll just put him on this island where there's nothing but prisoners on it. And he won't bother us anymore. And so they exiled him to the the Isle of Patmos. But guess what? It was on that island that God showed him what the kingdom of God was going to be, and he wrote the entire book of Revelation. That's where it happened. And so they thought they're scared to death, and all of a sudden Jesus just comes through the wall. The door, you read it, it says the doors were shut. Jesus just comes through the wall. What's he demonstrating to us? He's demonstrating to us the molecular structure that our new bodies are going to have. Man, I'm telling you, how fast can you go when you know that nothing can happen to you? You know? I mean, you could leap off town buildings and be faster than a locomotive. I don't know, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I mean, you're going to have a body that's going to be unbelievable. And Jesus was demonstrating during those 40 days what that body was going to be like. Now, the Bible teaches us also that every one of the disciples were there except Thomas. And they went out after that and they looked at Thomas and they said to Thomas hey Thomas said we saw the Lord what Thomas say yeah I ain't gonna believe that stuff I won't believe it until I can take my finger and put it where the nail prints were and the place in his side I won't believe it till his feet and his hands. I see I won't believe it until then I just won't and the next Sunday see this is why you need to be in church Thomas wasn't in church that Sunday. He he missed out on everything. Amen? Something the Lord may move in a way that you you can miss it if you're not here. And so Thomas was with them in that room, up up in the upper room, and they're there, and Jesus comes to the wall. And all, all he's got to do, he just looks at Thomas, and Thomas about melts, and he says to him, he said, Thomas, listen to this. He said, come and touch me. He says, for a spirit does not have what? Flesh and bone. See, the world wants to teach you that we're floating around, we're floating on clouds and playing harps and all this kind of stuff. That's nonsense. No, no, it's going to be real. We're going to be able to hug one another. We're going to be able to eat fried chicken. We're going to be able to do all this stuff that God wants us to do. It's going to be what a body that we're going to have. And so all Thomas could say to Jesus when he saw him, he just said, my Lord and my God. And they were glad. They were glad to see Jesus. They were glad to see Jesus. In verse 24 and 29, Thomas is there. And all he can say is, my Lord. In verse 28, my Lord and my God. Jesus, listen, Jesus showed up and showed them the scars. It says in 19, verse 19 through 23, he, he tells us he showed them the scars. First day of the week and the doors were shut and the disciples were assembled, the Jews. And and when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. He showed them his hands and his feet and he showed those scars because he bore them for you and for me. And the only thing that's going to be left of this world, because the Bible says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. The only thing that's going to be left of this world when we get there one of these days in heaven is the scars on Jesus. He'll still retain those stars. And every time we look at him, we're going to remember. He died in my place. He died in my place. Every time I see a picture of Jesus, I've got to realize that's, Christ dying in my place. He took our sins, and this would be the evidence of it. You know, he bore them to us that that you and I might be presented without a spot or blemish before the Father. He took our sins, and this would be the evidence of it. And when Jesus showed them his scars, they knew it was him. It was him. Jesus told them and. John 16, about this very day, he says in John sixteen twenty two he says, Therefore, now you have sorrow. He says, You have sorrow, but I will see you again. And then he says this, And your heart will rejoice, and your joy no more will take from you. What's he saying? In other words, they're going to be glad when they see Jesus. And the Bible says they were glad when they saw Jesus. Here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about this day, and I want you to think about what it's going to be like when you see Jesus. That's what I want. I want you to think about when the first time you really look him face to face, and you will. The Bible says that we, we, we will, uh, you know, we, we will behold him face to face, and it says, you know, somebody said, Well, we, will we know one another when we get to heaven? Well, the Bible says this it says, We shall be known even as we are also known. So, yeah, we're going to know one another. I'm going to know my mama. I'm going to know my daddy. I'm going to know my brother. I'm going to know those people that I loved and cared for here. And and you know when we die, the Bible says to be absent in this body is in the present with the Lord. The first person we're going to see when we get to heaven. You know who that's going to be? That's going to be Jesus. And you know who the second person is going to be? That's going to be, the Bible says in Hebrews, there's this great cloud of witnesses waiting on us on the other side. Who's that going to be? That's your mom and your daddy, your grandparents, all that. You know, think about it. What a reunion that's going to be. And you just be just like me. I believe, I tell people all the time, one of these days there will be a great tent in heaven that has crews on it, and all my relatives and all the people that's come to Jesus are going to meet me there. Oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see, and He takes me by the hand, and He leads me to that promised land. And so Jesus said, you're going to rejoice, and they did. When they saw Jesus, they were happy. And I want us to think about that day, because you know there was that song that says, what will I do when I see Will I dance? Will I jump up? Now, I, I'll tell you what most people did in the Bible, like Isaiah. They went prostrate on their face because he's so holy. But I'll tell you something else we're going to do. We're going to rejoice. One of the happiest days of all your existence is when you see Jesus. You realize it's over with. No more pain, no more things like cancer, no more, more no no more problems, no more getting old. You know. You, you see, this is sort of off, but I'll I throw it in here anyway. You know, some people ask the question, Lord, why? Why do you let us get old? Why do we? Why do we grow old? And 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 why do we? Why, we get old, and, and the next thing you know, uh, my body hurts. And, and, and if I go to wave to somebody, oh, gosh, that hurts. You know, whatever, you know, what it is. I mean, there's always something you know, going on. And I believe with all my heart, God has a plan for every life in here. And you know what that plan is? That when you're young, we depend upon our physical strength. But God has come a time in your life when he no longer wants you to depend on your physical strength. You know what he wants you to depend on? He wants you to depend upon your spiritual strength. That you realize who you are in Christ. That it's in him that we live and we move and we have our being. Amen. That in everything I go to do, where it is, it's in Christ I, I do it. Amen. You know? For me to live, to live is Christ. That's what he wants you to come to the place that you understand. He wants you to understand one of these days, as you get older, and your strength will dry up, but guess what? In spiritual strength, you go stronger and stronger. The Bible talks about that that our inner man. Our inner man is growing stronger and stronger and stronger day by day, while our outer man is growing weaker is what he tries to tell us that we understand. They were glad when they saw Jesus. To realize it will be a day that will be glad. A day of great rejoicing. Vince Havner said this, we're not just looking for something to happen. We're looking for someone to come. Amen? We're not not just looking for an event. We're looking for a person to come. We're looking for someone to come. And when these things begin to come to pass, we're not to drop our heads in discouragement or shake our heads in despair, but rather lift up our heads in delight. You know? Sometimes, I, I, you know, we, we, we see somebody that passes on and, and, and when we do, we, we think about, you know, we think, you know, and I, I've had to do funerals of guys that are in their 50s and, and, and you know, and, and they seem like they're in the prime of their life and they've got, you know, they've got, you know, they've got, uh, uh, you know, they've got uh, uh, th- their whole life ahead of them. They've got a couple of kids. And we try to understand what's going on, and we, we can't understand why. Why would God take, or why would God take a young man out when he does? Or why would God take a, a mother out when he leaves kids behind? Why would God do that? There's a great uh, answer to this found over in the. 57th chapter of the book of Isaiah and listen what it says it says good people pass away and this is it This is not just death comes to all of us not just somebody does something. good people pass away and the godly often die That's What the word says the godly often die before their time Before their time but no one seems to care or wonder why no one seems to understand that God, listen to this, no one seems to care or understand that God is protecting them from evil to come. For those who follow godly paths will rest in the peace when they die. What's that say? And God looks down to life and he sees maybe where this person head, and he doesn't want them to head that way so he says, you know, I'm going to bring you home. God doesn't do anything other than love you to death. Even when everything goes awry and you can't understand, he still loves you. I think about this one. Why study eschatology? Why study about the second coming? Why study about the rapture of the church? Because the disciples, while they didn't understand, they were glad to see Jesus. They didn't understand what he was saying, that he had to leave them and come again. They didn't understand everything. The eschatology that they did know saved them from despair. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm saying that even in the midst of some terrible situation, it will save you from despair. What do you mean by that, Lee? The Bible says that we as Christian people, we don't mourn as those who what? Who have no hope. We have a hope. What's that hope? I'm going to see him again. I'm going to see him again. The number one thing we need to realize is that we think. Of the rapture of God's people and here's what we need to think about is the overwhelming rejoicing that we'll have what a great time that's going to be when Jesus comes to get me it's going to be the happiest time in all of our existence and God's people is going to be overwhelming, rejoicing, and we'll have and we'll be glad. We'll be glad when we see Him. Amen. We'll be glad when we see Him. Now, have you ever been with somebody and looking at something or, or something or maybe a song and boy, you're just blown away by that song and what it means. It just picks you up and you try to share it with somebody else? and you share it with them, and they look at you, and they say, yeah, that's, right. that's okay. That's what you got out of that? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Or you take them somewhere that's just beautiful, waterfalls and everything, and you say, man, how God created all this. And they look at it, and they, and they look, and they say, yeah, that's, that's all right. Well, it's a long ways up here, isn't it? You know, you ever done that? And rather than appreciating what they're seeing with their eyes, all they could talk about was the mechanics or how, some, how high something was or that they would... They, they, it's just like they missed the moment. You know, When we get to heaven, I think the part of the gifts that the Lord will give us is to appreciate the things that He's created. I, I'm, I'm serious. I'm not for sure if some of the spiritual gifts that we're going to have is people that will be able to do that. My, my wife... Has already received some of those spiritual gifts. She, she, she gets me out of bed to come out and look at a flower that's blooming. I'll be with you. I don't want to get out of the bed and look at a flower that's blooming. Oh, you got to see this. You got to see this. She, she can take and and I think God's already given her in some ways that spiritual gifts. You ever been on a roller coaster? Huh? You ever rode a roller coaster? And the exhilaration of coming up, and you hear it clicking, and the exhilaration of coming, and you come to the peak, and then all of a sudden, you go, have yeah, I mean, you ever done that? I, I, I never will forget, when I was about five or six years old, my grandparents lived in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio at that time, really outside of it, Sheridanville. And my mother and we would go up and visit with them, and one time we went up there, and we actually went to Coney Island. How many people remember Coney Island, you know? Yeah, okay, all right. Uh, not very many. It shows you how old I'm getting. But Coney Island, but that was before they built Kings Island and all this other. But it was an amusement park. Now, my mother was scared of everything. There's nothing that she would ride. She wouldn't get on a merry-go-round. It was so wrong. And there was this one ride that was called the Tunnel of Love. And all you look on this one side, and all it was was these boats going through this tunnel with all these lights and all this beautiful stuff in it. And the boat's just flowing slowly going through there. And my mother saw that and she thought, oh man, well I could ride that. And so she gets on the boat. She wants me to get on. I get her. So we're in this boat and, and we're going through this tunnel and the lights and everything flashing. My mother's going, ooh, ah, all this stuff's not here. All of a sudden we come out of this tunnel and this it's all of a sudden this boat starts to ascend. Up this path When my mother saw that There was a little guy on the outside there or right, right out by it, And she was, he, he had this big lever That he controlled the boats And tried to you know, say one after another He controlled this lever to get up through there and, and, and as she does My mother begins to tell this guy She wants off this thing And she wants to get off of it now And this guy says Lady I can't get you off There's nowhere for you to go you gotta go on. My mother proceeds to talk in an unknown tongue that only a <laughs> that only a sailor could probably interpret. as she, she was very selective in what she had to say about getting off. But by that time we're already halfway up this ramp, and we get to this and we get to the peak, and here we go. My mother screaming all the way down. Yeah, you know, and so she did not appreciate the experience. You know, she, missed, she missed the expectation. She missed, you know, she, she missed the exhilaration of it. And I'm afraid that's what's going to happen to a lot of Christians. I'm afraid that the experience that many are looking to when they think of the rapture of the church, they're not going to see that experience. And we within the church are continually talking about the second coming, the rapture of the church. At least we are in this church. And I believe with all my heart and soul there are more, more most, most of the people in this church right now could sit down and do, do you a diagram if you wanted to about what's fixed, the events that are fixing to happen in history. We study it. We believe it. But I never want us to become so analytical to measure or to contemplate every detail that we miss out on the rejoicing that comes when we see him. For it's, it, it, you know for it is is it not about us seeing him seeing a person Jesus Christ? And First Peter chapter one verse eight nine says, "Whom being not seen, you love. We haven't seen him yet, but we love him because we know what he's he done. Though now you do not see him yet, believing you rejoice with the joy in unspeakable or inexpressible and full of glory, because we know he's fixing to come and get us." He also says in verse 9, Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. And then he says this in 2 Peter three fourteen. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things. Be diligent to found in him of the peace without spot or blame. We, we look forward to seeing him. We can't wait to see him. And yet I've had people just look at me and say, I, I've talked to him, I said, well, you know, boy, the Lord's fixed to come. I believe with all my heart and soul. And I do, I believe that with everything that's in me. And they'll look at me and they'll say, well, I just don't know where I want the Lord to come yet. Yeah. Actually, I have people say to me, well, I want to see my grandkids get raised up. There's no understanding. There's no understanding about, but, about what God's trying to do here. I, you know, what, I, When my grandkids are in heaven, that means they're not going to get sick. There's no, there's no de- uh, death or evil can come to them they're not going to be hurt or harmed in any way. Why in the world would I not want them there when he comes? When he comes. That's what I want. But you see, guys, here's what's happening in our churches. Not just here, but other churches. There's too much of of what's happening, secularism, that is in in getting involved in the church. And we'll quote a scripture and then we'll say something other than that. That doesn't even make sense. It's absolutely diabolically uh, uh, against what the Word of God says. We got to we got to just stay with the Word, you know. And so Christ is coming to get us, and let us rejoice in that. Yes, the world is in trouble, but Jesus is the answer, and He's on His way. But here's the here's the thing: the world has always been in trouble. Do you understand that? We're no different. Bill Kilby gave me a, a newspaper not long ago, and, and, and I was just, and I just happened to look over and glance at the headlines on it, and, and it's called The Herald, uh, the, uh, uh, the Herald and, and it talks about, it was talking about his coming, but the Herald, line, guess what? It's a newspaper, but guess what? It has the headlines, and the headlines is America Needs to Repent, Britain Needs to Repent. Christians need in the world need to repent. Guess when this was written? 1961. So, we need to come and re- to believe that Jesus is coming and rejoice in it. And, and, and you know, let us rejoice in the rapture that God will take us out of here, that he will keep us from the hour of trial which is coming upon the earth. Listen to what it says in Revelation 3.10. Because you have kept my commandments to persevere, I also will keep you, keep you from the hour of trial that shall come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. Let us rejoice in the rapture that God will take us out of here. That we shall be saved from the wrath to come. Listen, what it says in five and nine. Much more than having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath to come. And I'm telling you, on Wednesday night, we're studying through Revelation. If you don't believe that the 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 the, the, the uh, bold judgments and the and the trumpet judgments and the and the, uh, uh, and the help me out here, guys. Yeah, all the judgments that are coming. The seal judgments, thank you. The seal judgments, if you don't believe they're real, I'm telling you, they're real. And one-third of the earth is going to die, and then another-fourth of the earth is going to die. This is why I'm preaching my guts out for one reason, try to get you to understand, if you don't come to Jesus and he comes, you're going to go through that time. And it's going to be the worst time in the history of this world. By the same time, the Bible says that God has not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. That's in 2 Peter 2, 9. If, if we talked about that and, and we said, okay, but you know, will God deliver people out of it? Well, why do you think he delivered Noah? Why do you think he delivered Lot out of it? And you know, why was it that Enoch walked with God And he was not because he had a son. What was his son's name? Methuselah. Methuselah is is known by one thing. He's the oldest man that ever lived. How old did he live? 969 years. Why did he, and, and why did, but here's the question. Why did Enoch walk with God? Enoch walked with God because God told him, when your son dies, Methuselah, guess what? His name means when he is dead, it's going to be sin. God had showed him that already that the judgment was coming upon this earth, and if if he didn't, uh, and that he needed to walk. And so what did that do to Enoch? He walked with God. Boy, how we need to walk with God. He walked with God, and he was not. Why? God took him. They walked so far one day, and God just said, ah, let's just go home. Let's just go home. The Bible says the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, 2 Peter 2, 9. He also says Jesus taught in Luke 21, 36, that you may be counted, he said, Pray, that you be counted worthy to escape all these things that come upon past and to stand before the Son of Man. You know, those who say the church will go through the tribulation, their argument predominantly is from Revelation 13, 7. And and what it says in 13.7, it says it was granted to him, it's talking about the Antichrist, granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given to him over every tribe and tongue and nation. It granted to him to make war with the saints. But here's the question: Who are those saints? They're not, they're not, they're not, the saints are not you and I. They're going to be taken out of here. Those are people that are going to be saved during the tribulation. That's who it is. But guess what? Most of those people are those same people that are under the throne of God that have been beheaded for the things of God. I I think of this all the time. People say, well, I'll just wait. No, you won't. If you won't walk this aisle today because, you know, the Bible says Paul writes this in, in Romans 1, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and salvation, everyone who believes, to the Jew first, also the Greek. If you're ashamed of him here, you think you're going to stand when they're threatening to cut your head off? I don't think so. We're in a period of grace right now where every person can come and, and be saved. You know? The rapture is for us to have a sense of rejoicing that the Lord is coming to get us. And yes, we must be about His business, but let, let us not, uh, let us rejoice in, in, in a, or let us not, we're not rejoicing in a date that He's coming, but that He said He's coming. Now, many nonchalantly will they'll talk about the rapture and they say, "Well, I believe the Lord will just you know they'll say it. I believe the Lord will uh, rapture us out of here one of these days." That's good, but you know what? Do they mean it? What kind of effect does that have if you really believe? But do you realize what you just said? Now think about this: you're standing here one moment, and then you're flying through the air. Wait a minute. Come back here with me. Do you understand what you're saying? You're saying, I believe in the rapture. Okay, you're standing here one minute, and then you're flying through the air. Hello? I mean, is that a normal experience? I don't think so. But that's what, that's what the Word tells us is going to happen. You know, uh, and, and, and you're flying through the air, no airplane, and you look and others are doing the same thing. Jesus told us in heaven is a place, John 14. And the Apostle Paul talked about being caught up to the third heaven. That's atmosphere, outer space, and heaven. And I believe you'll pass, you go, as we go up through, you're going to pass through Mars, Jupiter. <laughs> I mean, you're going through it. Now, I have, I have thought about this, and in order for this to happen, you, and in order for this to happen to you so that you don't freak out, because some of you are scared of heights, and you don't freak out, then the, the, something else has got to happen. And what's got to happen? 1 Corinthians 15 has got to happen. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 through 53, it says, Behold, I tell you mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed, thank God. And in a moment, in a twinkle of an eye, in the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ are incorruptible, and we'll be changed. Uh, and for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal put on immortality. See, we could not be go flying through the air if God didn't change us from a mortal to an immortality. Because I know enough, I've got a polis license. I mean, that's scary, I know for some of you, but, but I do. But by the same token, you know, when you get to 4,000, uh, 4, when you get to 30,000 or 4,000, there's not enough oxygen. God's not going to take you off this earth so that you can go up so far and just suffocate to death. But He's going to change you, that you're going to have that new immortal body that will be able to do unbelievable things—a body just like Jesus had. And if you fly through the air, guess what? You're going to see all kinds of things, man, man. And you just—well, the rapture—I I just really believed in the rapture, you know we got to be changed it's got to happen in a, in, and how's it gonna happen It happens in a twinkling of an eye less than a second less than a second this is one of the reasons this mortal must put on immortality a new type of body one like Jesus was demonstrated when he was resurrected one that is immortal doesn't wear out this is why we'll be able to fly and go to outer space because there's no oxygen 30,000 feet. And, and this is why 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says, this, now, now we are the children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Amen. Now when we want to talk about eschatology, we normally go to someplace like Matthew 24. Uh, Matthew 24, we go to Luke 21. Mark 13 and that's where we usually get our information for but here's what I want to tell you I want to tell you of the major verses in those chapters While they mostly deal with they all deal with the second coming and not the rapture what are you saying Lee yeah I'm saying for the rapture because in the rapture we meet Jesus in the air he does not put his feet on this earth but in the second coming we come back with him, according to 1 Thessalonians 4. We come back with him, and he puts his feet on earth. And according to Zechariah 14, 4, that my, my mountain that's waiting for him on the Mount of Olives will split in half. And when I was in Israel, I asked the guide over there about that. I said, you know, I've heard all my life that, there's a, that there is, a, uh, that there is a, a, a crack in that mountain because I heard Holiday Inn one time I wanted to go over and put a motel on it. They said it couldn't do it because it, was, it was not sound constructionally, and, and our God, who was a, uh, a Jewish, been in, his, his, been in the Jewish army, and also that his, his, uh, his grandfather had started the first Jewish uh, uh, um, church as far as a, a Messianic Jewish church in, in Jerusalem after 1948. He said, yeah, there's a crack there. That man is just sitting there waiting for Jesus to come and put his foot on it. There it goes. You say, why would it do that? Because there are going to be people that are trapped in Jerusalem and that's the way of escape that they're going to get out of there. Read it. So, so you know, also embedded in these scriptures, in Matthew, Luke, and Mark, are scriptures that I believe deal with the rapture. In Matthew 24, Matthew 24, verse uh, verse, uh, 30, uh, verse 30, verse uh, 30, what was that? Verse Yeah, verse th- uh, 24, 36 six through 39 listen to what it says uh, it, it says this but of the day and hour no one knows not even the angels of heaven but my father only but as the days of Noah were so also the coming of the Son of Man be for in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day of the Noah that's the same thing we're doing today guys we're so concentrating on life we don't think about the things of God and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, and also the coming of the Son of Man. Now listen to this, verse 40. Here it comes, here's the rapture. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, one will be left. Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour, your Lord, your Lord is coming. And listen to what he goes on to say, he says, but know this first, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allow the house to be broken into. Therefore, also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. What's he saying to us? He's saying simply to us that we don't know the time that the Lord is coming. Anybody say, listen, stay away from these people that set dates. Oh, the Lord's coming on this and that Stay away from him. We don't know. Now, when the second coming happens, guess what? Once the treaty is signed and the Antichrist is revealed, you're going to be able to set your watch by everything that happens. Because in three and a half years you're gonna have desolation, abomination. After that, you're gonna have what? uh, Everything that's gonna happen. You'll be able to go through the book of Revelation. People at that time be able to go through the Revelation. They'll find a Bible. They'll be able to go through and it'll tell them everything's gonna happen. But today we don't know that. why Jesus said in an hour that you think not. That's when I'm coming. You know. But I want to propose three other uh, portions of Scripture to speak to this. Yeah, to speak to this real quickly. Uh. Have you ever noticed that Jesus used many examples and parables? The threes, the good Samaritan, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. The parable of the sower, the good soul brings forth 30, 40, 60, 100 fold. Luke 15, the lost sheep, lost coin, lost boy. Relationships, the hireling, the servants, and friends. And one of the most famous speeches in World War II when England was being attacked every night by German bombers in one of the most famous speeches, Winston Churchill in writing the speech said, we'll fight them with blood, toil, tears, and sweat. But it didn't sound right. So they changed it. They have nothing to, to fear but blood and sweat and tears. Three sounded better. Jesus' prophetic plan for the rapture was John 14, 1 Corinthians 15, In 1 Thessalonians 4, in John 14, 3, Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled, for if you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go now to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's what he said. There you may be also. That's what he said. Now, and so he spoke about the future." And his eventual return, in, in, in John thirteen, verse thirteen, verse thirty-three. He's a little children. I shall be with you a little while longer, and you will uh, and and a little while, and you will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. He said, you cannot come. All right. Then Peter asked him the question. And when Peter asked him the question, I'm going, you cannot come. But notice in verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered and said, where am I going? You cannot follow me now. But you shall follow me afterwards. Did you hear what he said? But you shall follow me afterwards. And notice the word now. You cannot come. Did you see that where it says, uh, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now. But he said, afterwards you'll be able to follow me. Afterwards you'll be able to follow me. But the response Jesus told them about his father's house that there were many mansions. There'll be room for everybody. Years ago, when we were in Brazil, we were working in a little uh, in a place called called Garça, and we were working in an orphanage home. had about 120 something orphans in there, and all they wanted we took them out to eat one night, and all they wanted was beans and rice. So that's all they had. That's all they ever did beans and rice. That was their staple. But they wanted to eat beans and rice. But they would get in there at night and they'd wash dishes, and they had the wash dishes. Most of it was in cold water. Wash dishes. But they would get in there and these little orphans, and here's what they would sing My father has a big house. My father has a big house. Has room for me. My father has a big house. He has room for me. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus, he is preparing a place especially for them and for us. Then he said those wonderful words, I will come and receive you unto myself. Not, he's not going to send Moses or Elijah. No, I'm going to receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Oh, my friend, how Jesus loves you. Don't allow your thoughts of the rapture to be confined to people vanishing and trumpets sounding and Instead, focus on the truth that Jesus came and died to save you and returned to heaven and is preparing a place for you and has shortly come back for you. And why? Because he wants to be with you. He wants to be with you. Second portion of scripture is found over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 through 58. And I don't know whether I'll read all that. I read part of it. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be. Tra-. Now, I don't believe in soul sleep. I'll tell you that right now. You say, but doesn't the Bible say that we? Uh, sleep? No. L- listen. When I read, uh, for instance, Luke 16, the rich man and Lazarus, they're wide awake. You know, uh, when when I when I see the Transfiguration, the Jesus on the mountain, uh, who was there? Moses and Elijah, and they're wide awake. And, and and Peter, James, and John recognize who they were. So I don't believe. In, so I believe we've got a temporary body when we go to heaven one of these days. That's gonna that's gonna take care of everything. Take care of it in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the dumb trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised and corruptible shall be changed. I read a thing one time where Ruth Graham and her up in that chapel up in the mountains and, and I read her, one of the last letters she wrote. She said, a twinkling of an eye is just too, too short. She said, I look back and see all the things I'm leaving behind, but to see the things that I'm going to gain when I go. Oh, what a, wonder, what a wonderful thing that is, going, that is going to be. For this corruptible Man, put on incorruption. Can you imagine to get up in the morning and know you haven't screwed up? No corruption. No matter what happens, you can't be corrupted. Some people ask, well, will that happen again what the devil didn't know? Well, incorruptible. Must put on incorruption. And this mortal put, put on immortality. You know? Man. Uh, and and uh, So for this corruptible must put on incorruption, the mortal must put on immortality. Can you go on to the next verse fifty four, I think it is. So then when this corruptible has put on incorruption, the mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass, saying to the written, Death is swallowed up in victory. It? Oh death, where is your sting? What does that mean? Sting? I once heard a, a little girl, her mother died, and they were riding back from the funeral, and they were in the, and were in, the, in the and she asked her dad about her mother. And she said, Daddy says, Why mama have to die? And she, she, he looked at her, and all of a sudden the bee flew in the car and started flying around. And, and she was scared to death of the bee, and her dad, her dad reached up and grabbed that bee and held it in his hand. It stung him in the hand. But then you know what he did? He opened his hand up, and his shoulder said, Look, honey, he can't sting us anymore. And there is no in death there is no sting. Why? Jesus put the sting out of it. What was the sting? That you and I would be separated from God the Father forever. He's taken that away. There is no stinger in it anymore. Death has lost its power. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, Hades or grave, where is your victory? Listen. When my, your loved ones go, they go straight to be with Jesus, to be absent in this body. What? You say, well, wait a minute now, Lee. I, we buried my brother. Okay, your body goes into grave, but at that point your soul and your spirit go straight to be with Jesus. That's where it is until the resurrection takes place, and then God's going to give you one of them new exclusive, you know. Are you afraid to die like No, I'm not afraid. I already made my funeral arrangements. I got one of those. I got one of those caskets, you know. Brr, brr, you know, I got a radio inside and the whole nine yards. You know, so nah, I'm just kidding. But I have. i already made my funeral radio. <laughs> So, yeah. He, he explains the nature of the resurrection body. He concludes with a description of prophecy. He, his description of the rapture. First Corinthians 54, 58. It is that. Is that? It, listen, what it says. 54. Go to verse 54 if you can. Uh, it says, so when this corruptible has put on any and the has put on anywhere, then shall be brought to pass the saying is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And we can go, oh, death, where's your sting? Where is there your victory? And then he goes on to say, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Uh, and, and, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. What's he saying to us? Man, we can rejoice. Death has no power over us. If that's not the rapture, I don't know what it is. And third and final, the second set of scriptures is found in First Thessalonians 4, 13, 18. This is the most detailed of all scriptures of the rapture. In Acts 17, when Paul planted the church at Thessalonica, for three weeks he preached and taught this. And the Jews came in and disturbed them. They got Paul and Silas out of there just because of the fact that they were going to try to kill him. And then the Jews stirred up such an uproar because of this. So the Thessalonians were gripped with the Lord's return and many questions like, will their deceased loved ones miss the rapture? Will we know one another? Those kind of things. We, we, we shall be known even as we're also known. And listen to Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 and one and two he says but concerning the times and the seasons brethren, you have no need that I should write to you same thing for us for you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night what's he talking about he's talking about the rapture he's talking about the rapture he tells us that in verse 15 the first Thessalonians 4 he tells us, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord Will by no means preach so those who are asleep. Graves are going to burst open. Well, why are they going go to go first? Because <laughs> they have farther to go. Six feet. Some of you don't get that, I guess, anyway. That's the funeral director in me coming out, I guess. You know, he tells us that in, 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 in verse 15 this is a direct communication he tells us verse 15 this we say to you by the word of the Lord in other words this is from God himself is what Paul said and he says in verse 14 the dead in Christ if you're in Christ you're, you'll be part of the dead in Christ if, if the Lord tarries and you die you're the dead in Christ and then he tells us this, verse 17, that we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord forever. Man, what a day that will be. What a day that will be. This tells us that God will bring his children with him, even those who sleep in death. The dead will rise first, first on that day. Those still alive will be caught up this is where we get the word rapizo or the word rapture to, together to be with the Christ. We shall always be with Christ. If you compare John 14 with 1 Thessalonians 4, then here's what you find. That, that as a result of that, I don't know whether, yeah, we got it up there. The problem. you, you, you care John 14 with first Thessalonians? The problem? Let not your hearts be troubled. What's he saying, first? At least you sorrow as others have no hope. You got a hope. He goes, the point. Believe in God, believe also in Him. If we believe in Jesus, died, rose again. The proclamation, I told you, that's why he says in verse 2, this we say to you. The promise, I will come again. That's His promise. The coming of the Lord. The purpose, to myself. I will receive you unto myself. To meet the Lord, as a purpose. The plan, receive you, caught up. The place, that where I am, there you may be also. That you also will be with the Lord. You know, you say sometimes, well, my mom, my dad, my child, or whoever has already passed, where are they now, Lee? Well, what does the Word say? The Word just simply tells you where they are. Jesus said that where I am, there you may be also. You read 1 John 14, verse 19, it says, because I live, you're going to live also. Praise God that we got a Savior that has not left us. Praise God that we've got a God that loves us so much he's prepared a way for us to live forever. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, i close with this one story. A story of a man who would, who would he, he, I heard a story one time of a man who would go up to people and all he would say to them, said, do you think Jesus will come today? And most of the people would say, no, I don't think he's going to come today. And they look at him and he say this, well, you better be ready. Because Jesus said he's coming at a time you expect not. He won a lot of people, the Lord, just by that one little saying. So are you ready to meet him if he comes? I tell you, are you ready to meet him if he comes? Do you know for sure? Have you nailed it down that, boy, Christ and I are tight, that we know one another, that we're ready to, uh, if he comes, I'm ready to go, oh, Lord, come. Or is it, is it something that you just... When you hear about this, you cringe. Don't let it be that way. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord will be saved. It says, If we confess Christ as Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Jesus says, I stand at the door and I knock. He's knocking on people's darks every day. I, knock, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hears my voice, open the door. I will come in unto him and sup with him and he with me. There's the invitation. All you got to do is take it. I want you to stand with me this morning.